Hello everyone and welcome to State Sponsored Programming. This is Sophie. And I'm Will. And so today is President's Day. We have been graciously given the day off of school. So we thought we would take this opportunity to talk about our favorite Republican presidents and their policies. William here is a registered Republican. And proud of it. And so we thought that we would cover the ways in which we thought Republicans best ran this country because it's called a Republican, not a Republicanot. We're going to start off with everybody's favorite, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is most known for presiding over the country as president during the Civil War. In 1863, he passed the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed all the slaves. Woo! That's a good thing. And then the Civil War ended in 1865. And through all of this, he was able to deal with the civil issues, as well as the constitutional issues, such as states' rights, that arose in this country and was able to keep the country together. His famous saying, a house divided cannot stand, still applies to politics today, though some people, <coughs> Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez, could probably do to remember that. So... It is worth acknowledging Lincoln as one of the best Republican presidents of all time, because during his presidency, this nation could have fallen apart, and Will and I would not be able to sit here and talk about our favorite and least favorite Republican policies if it had not been for Abraham Lincoln and his success in the Civil War from, 19, from 1860 to 1865. It's fine. I'm an adult. Is it 1860 or is it 1861? I'm not, I'm not sure. All right. You know, we'll call it, 18, we'll call it 1860, because it was probably some turmoil at that time. You, that, you, that you can also thank... Uh, Jesus Christ for saying a house divided cannot stand. So he's the original that Abraham Lincoln came back and oh, yeah, uh, right. reused it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Now, right. Sophie, let me tell you about, in my opinion, the most underrated presidents. And at least in my experience in the classroom, it, it seemed like he was pretty underrated. I don't think he got nearly enough praise, which was Calvin Coolidge. Now, the thing about Calvin Coolidge's policy, which is so contrary to politicians today, is he actually did nothing. In fact, he vetoed 50 bills his motto was, it's better to kill a bad bill than pass a good one. And that's pretty important because when you have a government that's stable and it isn't rushing to create new legislation, then people's freedoms stay intact. And when you have a bunch of radical change, then there could be a lot of people that are get stepped over in the process. So, And under Calvin Coolidge's administration, he had very low unemployment, low taxes, wages increased, and he was one of the very few presidents that actually let the federal budget lower than when he found it. There is some stuff that you can critique him about, namely that he was a little bit of a protectionist, but still, I think the fact that he led a very stable and prosperous America should be mentioned and makes him one of the great presidents because he actually was what people can call him, the great refrainer. The great refrainer? Yeah, that's Are what he called The did great refrainer. I didn't, know. All right, all right. If, well, if I did, it would have been, you know, I would have given myself a pound on the back for that. But he is known as the great refrainer. You know. This is very interesting. <laughs> a little extra for your tax dollars today on state-sponsored programming. And now we're going to talk about President Theodore Roosevelt, not President FDR. We don't President like him. FDR. Yeah, we don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even get a name. <laughs> no. But President Theodore Roosevelt, one of his great accomplishments was digging the Panama Canal from 1903 to 1914. And basically what this did was make shipping, which was the main mode of transportation at the time, especially internationally, much faster and cheaper. So it revolutionized the shipping industry because people no longer had to go all the way around South America. And that was muy bueno. So from the Pacific to the Atlantic and vice versa, from the Americas to Britain, it was very, very important that this canal be dug. And that was under President Theodore 
Roosevelt. Also, he's known for his big stick diplomacy, but... The guy, I like the Spanish you used there. Muy bueno, very Muy good. Bueno, yep, yes. there you no, go. No mas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, That's so, the Spanish I know. All right. Yeah, there you go. Well, the next president is probably the most well-known Republican president, and for good reason. I'm talking Ooh. about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> now, the main thing that I like about Ronald Reagan was his economic policy, specifically supply-side economics. And essentially, the philosophy is that when you lower taxes for everybody, lower class, middle class, upper class, you give people the capital they need to order to create new goods and services. And that when you create new goods and services, it essentially enhances the standard of living for everybody. Now, this isn't to be confused with trickle-down economics. That's a complete straw man and a myth. And if you hear it in your classrooms, wherever you go, just know that's BS. Because essentially the theory is that somehow the rich people get a lot of money and then they'll trickle it down to the bottom. That, that's not what supply-side economics is about. What it is is that people have more money, they can invest more, they can create new goods and services, and just everyone benefits because you have more stuff. And that when you increase the amount of supply, then prices go down, which is pretty basic economics, whether it be micro or macro economics. Um, so how do he do this? Well, he slashed taxes, which I, which I love. In his great tax cuts were in 1981 and 1986. Now, during these two tax cuts, he essentially slashed tax rates by 25% for everybody, which he phased over three years. And then he also, at the same time, simplified the tax code to prevent rich people from hiding money in tax shelters. One of the main things about supply-side economics is, is that when tax rates are super high, what rich people will do is that they'll funnel all their money into tax loopholes in order to keep their money. Instead of, when taxes are low, they can actually feel free to invest in new businesses and, and new goods and services to grow the economy, which he was absolutely right. And another thing about Reagan, too, which is a big part of supply-side economics, is it's called the Laffer Curve. Now, what the Laffer Curve means is that there's essentially a maximum point at which you can tax, and then after that point... Um, when you tax too high, you're actually get you're actually get less revenues because, as I said before, people are going to put money in tax shelters. And so, during his administration, when he both simplified the tax code and he decreased taxes, he actually saw increased tax revenues, which it sounds super um, counterproductive to decrease taxes to increase revenues, but it actually worked because people aren't going to spend a ton of money trying to put their dollars in tax shelters, but when taxes are low, they can actually feel safe to let their money be taxed and do it the right way. So, Now, up next, I have a little bit of a controversial choice, and that is Richard Nixon, uh, specifically his approach to China in 1972. So in 1972, our President Nixon visited China and basically reestablished the trade relationship between the U.S. and China. Uh, up until this point, between 1949 and 1972, we did not have a trade relationship with our neighbor across the sea because China became a communist nation in 1949. And the U.S., with their Cold War policies, were like, we are not trading with a communist nation. But China has a very large population, and they had a, have a lot of growth, they have a lot of domestic production, and it was really hurting us that we weren't extending ourselves into that market. So Nixon improved the relationship with China during the Cold War, even though they were a communist nation, and expanded our trade capabilities with them. And that basically has done nothing but help us. Now, of course, we have issues today with the trade relationship with China, but it's better for us to have that relationship than to be completely ignoring the nation. So although the good policies that Nixon had have been completely overshadowed by Watergate, he did have good policies. And it is important to recognize those good policies rather than just being like, oh, Nixon, 
Party. Yeah, I yeah. kind of like to call uh, Nixon the Republican Hillary Clinton because he was uh, super, oh <laughs> super corrupt. <laughs> so, all right, well, all right, let's let's just move along. So, another president that we have is Eisenhower. Now, he was a Republican, but he's essentially the bipartisan president. Democrats got along with him. Republicans got along with him. And to be honest, given the what, what's the word I'm looking for? The political tribalism going on today and the partisanship. It'd be nice to just kind of have this mo- moderate Republican president that could bring both sides together. And even though it may sacrifice... Wait a, second, cons- wait a second. Are you telling me Donald Trump is not this mid-road moderate you're talking of? Unfortunately not. And, you know, he's done. Trump's done some good things. But, again, point being, it would just be nice just to have a little less of the tribalism and everyone bickering, even though... Eisenhower wasn't as conservative as I liked. He was that bipartisan president that kind of had some political unity. Um, one of the things that he did is when the Brown v. Board decision came, he, he did not resist it. He went along with it. He was leading in reforms for civil rights, and he was one of the civil rights presidents that really helped um, during that era. He also was very skeptical of the military-industrial complex. And essentially what that is is that when you have military contractors will team up with people in public office and for in order for senators or congressmen, whatever, to get jobs in their district, they'll just keep on pumping money and money and money and buying stuff from these military contractors. And at the same time, people in the military like getting more military goodies. So it just essentially leaves in the cycle of more military spending and more military spending. Now, I, as a Republican, I love strong defense, all right? And there's, there is most definitely a time and a place to have a strong military, but Essentially having a cronious-type system where senators are just trying to get more military spending for the sake of bringing bacon back home to their districts, it's crony capitalism, and I don't like it. So I respect Eisenhower for being able to call that out. And just, as always, a few extra for your tax dollars talking about economic reforms today. President H.W. Bush, that would be Herbert Walker Bush, also deserves recognition for overseeing the fall of the USSR in 1991 and his efforts in the Gulf in 1991 expelling Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. Also, a brief shout-out to William McKinley, who engaged in a war with Spain in 1898, giving us possessions in Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and Guam, and also fighting for Cuban independence. So, thank you very much. Now, we are going to address our each of our least favorite Republican policies. We, got <laughs> we want to try and be fair and balanced here on today's lots of programming. So, I'm going to discuss... Ronald Reagan's policy in Iran, specifically the Iran-Contra scandal. So, during Reagan's second term, hostages, American hostages, were being taken in Lebanon because they were funded by Iran, Iran hated the United States, they were taking American hostages. And to get those hostages home safely, what Reagan wanted to do was violate the arms embargo known as Operation Staunch and sell Iran American arms and ammunition in return for the safe return of the hostages. And what he was going to do was use the proceeds from those sales to fund anti-communist guerrillas in Nicaragua. And this ended absolutely horribly because he was basically breaking the law because there was an arms embargo against Iran. It resulted in several of his, the senior members of his administration being indicted. Several more were pardoned by George Bush. And his foreign affairs advisor even tried to commit suicide. And in all honesty, foreign policy initiatives really do not end up much worse than Iran-Contra did for Reagan. So, unfortunately, love Reagan, but he really did mess up in, now, in that regard. What Ra- I know that what Reagan claimed at the time was that he knew nothing about it. Right. Do you believe him? Do you think it was just one of well, someone below him that was doing that? or Maybe. I think that's really very difficult to say. They were uh, 
thinking that impeachment proceedings were going to begin. Uh, and then there was an investigation and they decided that, that Reagan was not at fault. But it was the Reagan initiatives of that administration saying, we need these hostages home. Like, why the hell can't you find and rescue these Americans? And, you know, we should violate the arms embargo. Those were all things that Reagan, as the, Reagan the man, pushed for. And therefore, his, foreign, his officials and administrators needed to respond to. So whether or not he was personally involved in the breaking of that law or personally involved in Iran-Contra, was, the answer determined was no. But his initiatives, his feelings, his push did basically make those policies happen, if that makes sense. All right. A president who, unfortunately, was a Republican that I cannot stand is President Herbert Hoover. In fact, I don't even think he should be referred to as a Republican, because quite frankly, he w- he goes against free market capitalism and everything. And ev- and what people will say, and what I, hear in, in, what I heard in the classroom, is that he was this capitalist free marketeer, and that because of him, the Great Depression happened. That's false. His mindset was essentially that in order for the economy to recover, we need to engineer it back to health. He was actually a mining engineer. One of the ways he did this was through the Spoot-Harley tariff. The average tariff increase was 20%. What you learn when you take a microeconomics course is the law of comparative advantage. Essentially what this means is that when countries produce what they're most efficient at producing and they trade, both countries get way more stuff. But when you implement tariffs, a country has to focus on what it's less efficient at producing. So if you want the economy to recover and get back to health, let it specialize and let it produce what it's best at producing instead of trying to be afraid of competition. The, what makes capitalism great is competition. And so to raise tariffs is absolute lunacy. He also did a, a lot of other different stuff. He later like increased tax rates on the, on the top income bracket, which is never really, uh, usually not a good idea. And so that's why... He gets my uh, veto as a good Republican president. (laughs) Very good. Well, today we covered some of our favorite Republican policies and our least favorite Republican policies for President's Day. Thank you very much to all of our history teachers who have done a wonderful job of educating us about the American president out out for all of these years. I'm Will. I'm Sophie. And this has been State Sponsored Programming. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of State-Sponsored Programming. We're on most podcasting platforms, so wherever you are, make sure to like, follow, and give us five stars if you enjoyed listening. You can also follow us on Twitter at SS underscore programming for all updates and giveaways. This is State-Sponsored Programming, signing off.